I thought you were dead. Sun out of your eyes and be yourself. Heard you were dead. She's dead, wrapped in plastic. That man's dead back then. It was worse than dead. He must be dead. Is this a dead man, Duck? Hey, come open up my trunk and look at treats that I found. It's Halloween time. <laughs> Much better. That's a good way to start the show. Because it's Halloween themed. Here. Yeah. Tonight. Yeah. Spooky. T- during the day. Tonight. Spooky day. It's time for Haunted House and Ghosts and Gals and Ghouls. You guys ready for a spooky episode? I'm getting there. I'm a little spooked already, so... I don't know if I'm ready to be scared. <laughs> yeah. uh, what was your favorite costume you ever wore? Instead of how's your week? Oh, uh, that's... Uh, I don't know. I've never done blackface. <laughs> Trudeau face. Yeah, Trudeau face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've never you done that. You should go as Trudeau in blackface. Because then it's a meta commentary on everything. <laughs> Yeah, that I could fly with that. I'm a Frenchman. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a French liberal. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh th- that could be fun. I don't know. I can't recall. I had a Chewbacca outfit when I was when younger. You're, yeah. When you were a baby? Yeah, and it's subs no, well, I guess I was about fourth grade or so, and I used it as a winter coat. Oh, that's, oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. It's very cool. Repurpose the costume. That's the way to go. Yeah, I guess you look more like an Ewok at that height. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, who cares? Oh, yeah, uh, welcome to Roast Mortem. You belong here. <laughs> um, that's the show. I'm Tom. I'm Travis. I'm Connor. No Mike tonight? He said, uh, no, when I asked him to come. Well, Mike is trick-or-treating. Yeah, he's out there. Yeah. yeah. Connor, what are you he's, drinking he's... there? You drinking candy? Um, no, I'm drinking a big, tall thing of beer. Oh. oh, it's um, it was a birthday present. It's Vielle Provision Saison Dupont. It's a Belgian farmhouse ale. Oh shit, that's some Tintin juice. Yeah, it's good. Not great. It's good. Travis, what do you uh, what's your favorite Halloween thing? My favorite Halloween costume. I love dressing up for Halloween. Uh, I'm not, I don't do it that often because I usually <laughs> don't go anywhere. But around the same time you were dressing up as Chewbacca, I remember one year I did a, before I learned about, you know, we've been talking about the monarchy on the show, before I learned that we were the bad guys, I dressed up as wow. a, a rebel, as a, <laughs> as a, you know, with a powdered wig and all that shit. And like I had like zombie paint on. So I was like a dead a like, founding, founding father, father uh, blue coat. Nice. So that would have yeah. stopped you from if you had done a little more history, that would have stopped you from wearing that. No, I still wore it. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> but then I got in a red coat. But then I think the next year I was Hook. Uh, so and that's uh, closer, I guess. There's still rebels. I don't know. <laughs> Hook's a good one. Yeah, yeah, it's good. You know, I don't know. I don't know if you could be Hook today because you're not a gay man, and Hook was a gay man. Oh, that's very true. Yeah. But I could be the crocodile that swallows things. <laughs> Might be kind of gay. We don't know. Yeah. 
But I just don't. Just I would little. hate to see my friends appropriating cultures. Connor, do you have a favorite costume? Yes. Uh, Lizzie and I, a couple of years ago, did Popeye and olive oil. Only Lizzie, who is a sailor, was Popeye, and I'm olive oil because I'm also much taller than Lizzie is, so it worked out really well. And then Dahlia, the family dog, was a can of spinach. (laughs) (laughs) It was a big hit. Yeah, that was a good one. It's very cute. It's adorable. You know, actually, last night I watched uh, on the Disney Plus, because you guys know I'm a huge fan of Disney, all forms. Um, Mm -hmm. I watched a... These new Mickey Mouses, like the new generation they have of them, they've like readopted the rubber band look, and the animation yeah. is like pretty solid. And there's, there's like good adult humor in there. Huh. Like they've kind yeah. of reverted back to like a quality product. Right, right. That's nice. That's cool. I actually yeah. watched uh, the cartoon version of Cuphead. That was really good too. That was that kind of like rubber bandy, right? You know. They played the game, but the cartoon's actually pretty good, too. Hmm. Game is fucking hard. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, does the cartoon, like, not let you get past a certain viewing point unless you complete a challenge? Yeah, you got to, Netflix makes you go and watch the entire thing over again if you don't. (laughs) Yeah. You you have to watch the Dahmer show. (laughs) You have to watch an entire season of a Netflix uh, original before you can go on to the next scene. Yeah, buy a Samsung Galaxy and smile into it and say, this is great. (laughs) Well, that is, well, that is absolutely horrific. But let's get into today's uh, subject. Sure. Tonight, we're going to be talking about something that everyone knows and everyone loves. Rapping. Rapping like hip hop? Yes, like Biggie, Tupac, even Cisco. Right, rapping. Like, I thought you were going to talk about like competitive gift wrapping. Oh yeah, that that too. I, actually, this is a little bit more in vain. We're in that vein. We're going to be talking about white people rapping. Oh, okay. So like Eminem, Post Malone, Vanilla Ice, Kanye. But yeah, like that kind of realm. White people rapping. Yes, Fred Durst. You, yeah, Fred Durst. <laughs> Amazing. But if you go back far enough, if you go back to the 19th century, white person rapping. It's actually quite different. So we're going to be talking about some good old-fashioned 19th century upstate New York second grader awakening spiritual rapping. Oh. Oh, boy. I thought, like, legit white person rapping was auctioneering. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> that shit's That's tight. <laughs> white that person rapping. Day. Yeah, it's just getting rid of sheeps really quickly yeah. and fast. Yeah. <laughs> It's auctioneering and it's uh, horse race announcing. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. But yeah, you watch you watch uh, auction uh, auctioning off of like fine art. Those guys go slow. Really boring. Watch the mm. cattle shit. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry to interrupt. Uh, so yes, this is 19th century rapping, and this type of rapping is not necessarily making rhymes. It's more about ghosts knocking around your house, being a bunch of rat bags. While women get off at a table surrounded by a whole bunch of rich old men. It's good. All right. Yeah. Now, we're not just talking that this rapping comes from a movement called spiritualism, and we've talked about them before. We've talked about um, in previous roasts, like Helen Duncan, Joanna Southscott, uh, Sylvia Brown, even more modern day psychic. 
all of these people originate from our subjects today, the Fox sisters. We're going back that far, eh? Yeah, just to the 19th century, mid-19th century, but they can, they are, they hold the title of being the originators of modern-day spiritualism. Oh, all right. Um, so I actually heard about the Fox sisters when I was doing my research on Helen Duncan, so that's like episode 50. That was a long time ago. And I remember reading about Duncan and she, this British lady, for whatever reason, she was a, a British lady, the last person to be tried as a witch in England. Um, but she was inspired by these two American shysters. Hmm. So, so yeah, I got into, uh, I got into lo- looking around for the, these sisters for a while. I eventually found a very good resource for them. And here we go. So these sisters could talk to the dead. What more can I say? That's cool. Can they just talk to us and tell us about their life now? Or is it only a one-way phone call? (laughs) Oh, I think they're they're responding. (laughs) I thought you just, like, huddled over to jerk off, and I realized you were in some kind of pantomime. It's very strange. I, connection bugged. I know this isn't doing anything for the listeners, but Travis looked <laughs> now, like he was thrown into some heat. Yeah. Now, before we get into the sisters, let's talk about, let's set the scene. Because there's a very interesting time in America, the mid-1800s. Um, so there must have been something in the water in upstate New York, because all, almost all great American cult leaders or fraudsters are from upstate New York. I'm talking Joseph Smith and the Mormons. Uh, Jehovah's Witness, that was a little bit later, but it eventually moved upstate. The Millerites, the Shakers, the sex cult, the Oneida community, Thomas Lake Harris, and the Brotherhood of the New Life. The list goes on. Like, most of American um, kind of... Uh, most American like cults or like new religions were formed in upstate New York. There's something in the Finger Lakes. Yeah, some something going on in the Finger Lakes there. Yeah. Um, now those were some of the fringe groups, um, kind of going on, and uh, th- they kind of tied into these two periods known as the Second and Third Great Awakening during the 1800s. Um, oh, sorry, <laughs> that that modern cult, that crazy sex cult that's happening now. The NXIVM, Nivium, or whatever, however they say it, that's upstate, yeah. too. That's upstate, yeah. too? Yeah, they're in yeah. Saratoga Springs. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it's weird. It's literally something in the water. Yeah. My God. Now, we covered uh, the spiritual uh, Great Awakening before uh, with roasts like Henry Ward Beecher, uh, who is uh, Henrietta Beecher Stowe's brother, um, famous preacher from the time. Entertainer, but, supreme. Yes. Uh, started the first megachurch. Um, but basically, uh, in the 1800s, there were a bunch of people that were trying to change the way Protestantism was being practiced. Um, and they made it a whole lot crazier than before. So relatively new denominations started up. They didn't necessarily start in upstate New York, but uh, their American presence started there. People like Methodists, Congregationalists, and Baptists started popping up on the American frontier. And at the time, upstate New York was American frontier. Um, 
So upstate New York, especially around Rochester and Buffalo, were those epicenters. Uh, in fact, this whole area of western and central New York was referred to as the Burned Over District. Uh, yeah, cool. So is this what the Flyover District got its name from? Yeah, this is the one where they just dropped napalm down, right? <laughs> it, got an- over it got Agent Oranged. Mm-hmm. But they called it the Burned Over District because of the wild excitement over religion and social reform and the people's passions and convictions that burned in the hearts of the true believers and reformers. Hmm. Um, sorry, I keep I keep thinking about this New York thing. Was that crazy sex cult that um the guy who shot Garfield was in? Yeah, that's the Oneida. They make oh, that forks. was them. Yeah, they make forks and knives still today. You can buy Oneida forks and knives. Right, and they fuck each other. Except yeah, Charles Gautier wasn't able to. Yeah, because uh, he was too oh soft. God. We would have to assume. Yeah. So yeah, up upstate New York, we had a uh, a assassin of a president come from one of these cults <laughs> perfect so now not everything from the burned over district was uh garbage fraudster religion type thing now western and central new york was also a hotbed for abolitionists and women's suffrage remember seneca falls is up there as well um also other types of experiments on reaching a utopian society, which can also become a cult, but some of these ideas that were coming out were okay. One idea right. perfected there was the chicken wing. Yes. This is true. I so. wonder when the chicken wing wasn't... I, it probably was around now. This was actual the reason of the Second Great Awakening. I'm Look at this. Up. Was it the chicken wing? <laughs> yeah, the chicken wing. <laughs> Uh, this doesn't come from a buffalo, but it comes from a buffalo the place, and now we're going to call it a buffalo wing. <laughs> um, well, this is obviously wrong. It says it was a woman who made them. Uh, makes, makes sense. Suffragette. Teresa Bellissimo. Where is she from? Come on now. Buffalo, New York. From Buffalo. Where's, where's the actual date? When did you do it? Uh, 1964. Oh, yep, just found that too. That's not even history. <laughs> that must have been the fourth Great Awakening then, I guess. Uh, yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. After the snooze alarm, they finally got up. Yeah. So, right. yeah, you might think that, wow, upstate New York, that's kind of weird. I feel like a lot of people that listen might not even think New York has, like, an upstate. I feel like whenever I meet someone, they think New York is just a city. <laughs> yeah. It's a big state, folks. It's very big. Uh-huh. Now, it sort of makes sense that all this weird thought and, and weird uh, kind of experimental social stuff was going on, because before the Civil War, this was, as I mentioned, still a very frontier territory up near you know, Buffalo and Niagara, all that area. I mean, yeah, Buffalo was an established city, but it was still very frontiery. Um, but they had an added advantage in the flow of ideas, the economy, and people, and that was the Erie Canal, which was completed in 1825 and was considered a modern-day world wonder. The big ditch. Yeah. Somebody figured out, you know when you're playing in the backyard when you're a kid and you make the little, like, trough with the hose? You know, you dig a little hole and then you run the hose in the ground? Yes, I remember. Yeah, <laughs> somebody thought to do that on a large scale. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, it was cool then. It is cool, cool now. 
I've seen a few historians reference it as the nation's first super highway. Mm. So, all right, all right. Well, yeah, what, we'll we'll yeah. leave that there. Yeah, it's a stretch. It's a stretch. Yeah. Didn't stick. This is why you come to us for history stuff, not the historians. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. So yes, this the canals were a series of man-made canals and locks. They ran. 350 miles from Lake Erie in Buffalo all the way to the Hudson River River in Albany. So that's a, that's a big, long distance of mm-hmm. digging. Um, and the, one of the reasons why I say that was a big advantage is because when you have people moving shipping and stuff like that, you know, ideas can spread that way. You know, it's not like they're completely frontier. You know, like places like you see, Den- we've talked about Denver before in Colorado. This was like a meeting po- point, you know? Mm. So you've right. got, you know, people shipping stuff from all around the world going all through upstate New York. There's going to be some weird ideas, not just rats with plague. Right. I mean, Denver, they, you know, it was so many of these passing of ideas. And then as soon as, like, you know, the Jamaican travelers went through there, place kind of stopped. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, we got this figured out. Yeah. It's Have you called... heard of Bob Marley before? <laughs> Have you heard of the most black white people before? Fish? <laughs> um, so right off of this 19th century world wonder was the small town of Hydesville, New York. And this is where our story and the birth of modern spiritualism begins. So, uh, John and Margaret Fox were originally from Rockland County, uh, and then they decided to move to this small town in Hydesville on December, uh, in December of 1847. Um, Rockland County is right near the city. Um, and this was a move to kind of live with their adult son, uh, David Fox, who had a peppermint farm there. Uh, and that's actually what is famous in that section of New York, crop-wise, peppermint. The entire place smells like peppermint at the time. Okay. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Fresh. Uh, so John and Margaret had six kids. Uh, Lee, Elizabeth, Maria, David, Margarita, and Catherine. Oh, so they knew how to party. Yeah. They, they knew how to fucks. They know how to party. <laughs> Margarita. Yeah. Also, you got to remember, though, back then, the dynamic of men and women was very different. So we're not actually sure that the mother came once. No, she definitely didn't. No. That would have been ectoplasm. Yeah, would've, that would've, the spiritualism would have started before. It would be downright wrong yeah. if yeah, that woman no got any happened. joy out of that. So by 1847, the only the youngest two sisters, Margarita, uh, age 14, and Catherine, age 11, live with them. And they would be known as Maggie and Kate. That's what we're going to be call- calling them. All right. Maggie and Kate. Um, the rest of the adults lived their own, had their own, fa- or the rest of the kids had their own adult lives uh, living in Wayne County. That's the county that Hydesville, New York is in. And, they, you know, they're around the area. But the family is pretty much the, the youngest and then mom and dad. Now, uh, back in 18... 18- 47 Maggie and Kate were just two young girls moving to a small town near Erie Canal but o- over the next decade they would become international spiritual celebrities called the Fox sisters 
Not even just America, dog. We're going all over the world with this story. That's cool. Going worldwide. Yeah. It's awesome. Merch, right? Were they big on merch? <laughs> big on merch. Yeah. They, big merch people. Yeah. They, they made sure all of their t-shirts were printed with that material where everything falls off and flakes. Oh, yeah. That's that stuff. All, everything's on a Gildan. Yeah, Gildan. Makes you want, shirts, every sure. time you put on one of those shirts, you want to throw yourself off a bridge. <laughs> Feels like sandpaper shirt. Yeah. How <laughs> does even legal? I don't know. The main reason that John, the father John, was moved to Hydesville was that he was running from his past. You know, see, back in Rockland, it was still very farm, Rockland County. It's still very farm-like. Now it's very suburban, um, close to New York City. Uh, but it was very farmy. But he had taken up the drink, and he called himself a sporting gentleman. Oh. Ooh. Yes. He's a sporty guy. So Margaret and John's marriage were pretty much on the rocks to the point where after the first four children, they had separated. <laughs> they were living apart. Oh, so they fixed it by having more kids, which is always a good move. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I am home. Let me give you a little pork pie sandwich. Yeah, look, we should bond over our trauma. Why are we denying it? Yeah. <laughs> Let's revel in it. Yeah, exactly. We'll get places. You know, so what if I threw your head into a fucking toaster? <laughs> I love you. <laughs> and I want to sleep next to you some nights. Yeah. And that was one of those toasters, the old timey ones where you put the coal in the center. It's the one that doubled <laughs> as the iron. Yeah. <laughs> but no, Tom, remember, this is the great awakening happening. So everyone has a chance of redemption. And... It's really, really easy to brainwash some dumb, drunk, sporting gentleman with your newly formed version of Christianity. Oh. Uh, what is this version called? Methodism. Oh. That's John, not that new? Well, oh, they're Methodists? Yes. So, it, it did, it, well, it was new at the time. Hmm. Um, okay. It went back. It went back into the 18th century, but it was new to America at the time. In the you know the 18. But then, like everything, we took it and made it better. Yeah, yeah. Talk to snakes. We talk in our own tongue. Come on, yeah. these are now we can things. talk to the snake directly. Yeah. God, it, just look up this Wikipedia for Methodism. You will find some really funny guys with wigs on. <laughs> <laughs> really great stuff here. So, yeah, John latched on to his Methodism with the same fervor that he used to latch on to the whiskey bottle. And that's how we got a uh, little Maggie and Kate. Mm-hmm. So after did he stop drinking? Uh, he did stop drinking. Yeah. Boo. After he converted to me Methodism, he realized he couldn't you know, resist the drink in Rockland County, so close to that Satan city, New York City. Poof. Um... So, Kate and Maggie were actually both born and raised in Canada, in a town called Conconson in uh, Prince Edward County, Ontario. They moved their asses all the way up to Canada. Wow. All right. Yeah. Uh, Maggie was born in 1833, and Kate was born in 1837. Now, part of Mar their mother Margaret's family, the Rutans, uh, were members of the United Empire Loyalists. My type of people. 
Really cool, Travis. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. Wonder what they're in favor of. <laughs> well, yeah. So remember, this is the 1830s. Not that long ago, you know, they fled to America during the Revolution. Um, and it was said that Margaret's grandmother was blessed with second sight after wit- witnessing a phantom funeral procession leading into a graveyard. So she watched a bunch of dead spirits go to a graveyard and bury a different dead spirit? <laughs> <laughs> that, I don't think that's how what I'd be doing if I was dead. If I was a Casper's... Right? Hey, let's recreate the last time your body was above the soil. Let's keep doing that. That'll freak out this lady. Yeah. It'll mess with her. She'll be like, whoa. (laughs) Look at all these Caspers going to the graveyard. (laughs) They're all very friendly. Um, So, yeah, the family, the Fox family, or the second version of the family, is, is in Canada. And that... At that time, uh, with the newly constructed canal, Governor New York Governor DeWitt Clinton was were pushing families very hard to move to Wayne County. So John jumped on the bandwagon, moved his family back to America with the idea of settling in Wayne ca- County for like a truly fresh start to his new religious extremism. And also he had been accruing debts and some continual boozing going on. Ah, uh, there's know. the peek behind the curtain. Yeah. <laughs> um. hmm. Sorry, I just lost my spot. Th- this uh, episode is brought to you by uh, Ghost Peanut Butter. <laughs> Put it on things and let your dogs lick those things. It's brought to you by Poltergeist Southern Comfort. Yeah, that's how we're going to fill for time every time you fuck up reading. <laughs> just make up an advertiser. Yeah. Um, so that's right. So they, they lived in, in Rochester for a little bit with their eldest Lee. Um, and then they moved, Lee actually had a granddaughter and then they moved from Rochester, which at the time was a bustling city full of intellectuals and weird mystical folks, experimental extremists, you know, religious extremists. And they moved to Hydesville. And we think that this might've been where young Maggie and Kate were introduced to some of these ideas of life beyond the grave at a young age and ghosts and spookums <laughs> well yeah i mean duh <laughs> right i think about all the spooky podcasts that come out of major cities nowadays that's what rochester was like yeah basically <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're just listening to unsolved mysteries yeah that's all so now as i mentioned the couple were getting older david or uh John and Margaret, the, the mom and dad, they're getting older. So their son, David, was like, hey, move to Hydesville. I'm going to build you a new house on my peppermint field. So, you know, it's going to smell good. And they're like, all right, we're going. That, so they set out in 1847 to Hydesville. Problem was, was they decided they just moved in December. So there was one of the worst snowstorms in decades when they moved. <laughs> Oh, man. So that's like the last thing you want to smell is peppermint when you're really cold, too. Yeah, it is very refreshing. And to the point where it's like a awful sensation, just awful. Like burning. Uh, it's, so, what, it's like tasting five gum. That's what they're living through yeah, right I'm, now. <laughs> yeah. I'm so cold and I smell so cool. <laughs> 
Basically, the world is a menthol cigarette. It's a new port for them. Wow. <laughs> I'm moving there. <laughs> yeah. Rochester, here you come. Yep. Just Wait, you were, you were just up there riding horses through the peppermint fields. Uh, I didn't realize that. We had the windows rolled up. Uh, okay. <laughs> the smoking, whole time. Smoking Newports. I was smoking Newports, so it kind of <laughs> may have been overshadowed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we didn't notice the difference. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just knew it was refreshing. So if anyone knows uh, anything about New York, we get a lot of snow, especially up, up there. Yeah, we don't get so much down here on the Long Island. Yeah, not anymore. The lake effect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so this new, this new construction on the house, you're not going to break ground in the middle of a snowstorm in the middle of the winter. You can't even break the ground. Nope. So John decided he needed to rent a house from a man named Artemis Hyde who his father had founded the town. His father was actually a snake oil salesman, and he had set up a tavern and then called it Hydesville. Was he uh, essentially, was he legitimately selling snake oil? Uh, probably. <laughs> like for sh- for yeah. shining shoes and whatnot? <laughs> yeah. This is rattlesnake oil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, but the original Hyde had been long dead. This is his, his son. He has a house that, you know, he's got an investment property. And he rents this house out to various newcomers to the town or people passing through. And it had been in as used as a rental for about two decades prior to the Foxes moving in. Cool. Um, so, yeah, there's, you know, anyone that's lived in a rental, you know, like you kind of sometimes you're like sitting in your bathtub and you're like, wow, there's a lot of pe- weird people that probably lived here. And there's probably come in every nook and cranny of this house. Yeah, I would definitely be careful if you're looking to move into a place in Portland. Travis has been in three apartments there so far, so yeah, um, that does follow suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, this the one I'm in now is from nineteen nineteen eleven. So it this has been a always lot struck ghosts. It has struck me odd that you you like the idea of shooting a load into the electrical outlets. Dude, gets me off. <laughs> I know. Don't ki- it's don't very kink strange. Shame. Yeah. Don't kink shame. It's not kink shaming. It's more of like fire hazard. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this was a very, you know, ooh, oh, I don't want to get a rental. Oh, it's so expensive. We're going to get like a studio that's like, you know, uh, 700 square feet. No, this was a two story house with an attic and basement. And still, the Fox family were like, oh, this is, we're roughing it. Really Not enough. Not enough. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so remember, and only ones living there are John, Margaret, Maggie, and Kate. It's not like the whole six kids there. They're all adults, you know? Gotcha. So, so let's talk about these sisters, uh, Maggie and Kate. So they were pretty normal girls. Um, they quickly made friends with the local school children. Um, both of them were described as very pale and weak, though. Um, suffered from terrible headaches. Well, they're half ghost, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's half they're ghost. Kind of transparent, and it's not that they couldn't pick things up; it's that they couldn't physically grab them. They yeah, were, their <laughs> hands just... would go right through certain whisp, things. Whisp. Yeah. Um, and also at the time, just to kind of give you context about, like, you know, these kids suffering from headaches. At the time, uh, doctors were very much on the lookout for a terrible disease that just affected women, uh, and it was called hysteria. Right. Oh, (laughs) and we all know the cure for that. Chocolate. Rubbing it out in chocolate. (laughs) 
<laughs> in that order. Yep. Yeah. Uh, hysteria was believed to develop in the womb, and girls would just somehow it would resurface uh, when they were going through puberty. They became very susceptible to hysteria. <laughs> this all makes sense. Right. So these girls are about to go in the or they're in puberty or about to go into puberty. <laughs> we got to watch out for hysteria. No, you're not upset. You're just diseased. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> you can't control it. It happens in the womb. <laughs> uh, I'm so sorry that you started bleeding down there, but truly this is hysterical. True, truly there's something wrong with you. Yeah. So let's relax. Let's um Shut up, eh? Now, a, a proper woman of the early 19th century could best be described as Plank from Ed, Ed, and Eddie. They don't talk back, they don't move unless they're brought somewhere, and they're extremely fuckable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they've oh, always they're... got their faces painted onto them. Yes. Well, we know that, you know, as discussed before, you like shooting loads a lot. More <laughs> things are fuckable to you than most yeah. people, so that's a little more debatable. <laughs> now uh hysteria hysteria wasn't any woman uh, hysteria could affect any woman right you know um and it could come on at any reason and any man could come down and say you're hysterical um but the, the remember we're also in an area in upstate new york where there's a lot of suffragettes so people are challenging this idea they're like i want to rub one off the man doesn't need to come to the house and clinically rub one out on me because i'm hysterical you know? Yeah, I've got a tube full of bees, and if that was good enough for Cleopatra, it's good enough for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, so the girls, just keep in mind, they get their headaches, and that's a symptom of hysteria. But things were looking up for the Fox family. Uh, all they had to do was get through the winter, they'd build this new home on their son's land, they'd have a whole new life ahead of them in a great community that they're getting along with. And then, just like when you're sitting up at night and somebody rolls through in a Honda, Honda Sonata, and they have, they've bumped out the back of the trunk with subs, the wrapping started. Oh. Yeah. I see. Yeah, that's a terrible feeling. It's Here always it wrapping. It's always the wrapping. It always, wrapping shows up to the neighborhood, and oof, there it goes. <laughs> uh, so in March of 1848... Remember, they moved here in December, so 1848. Uh, after all of the foxes went to bed, a uh, cacophony of thumps, bumps emanating from the ceilings and walls, and even sharp raps on the bedposts and tables themselves swept through the house. Ever happened to you? You ever hear some bumps and bumps and goofs and grafts in the knives? Yeah, yeah, I've heard those. Usually. Yeah, that's just because my dog has bad hips and he's always constantly tripping. <laughs> Usually because my wife is hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> well, you better fix that. I've been trying. I've been trying. <laughs> Damn it. It's so hard. Yeah, it takes a while. It's difficult, you know? It's, it's difficult to be as thoughtless as that. <laughs> uh, the foxes were terrified. They didn't know what to do. And... uh this went on, continued on for a month, and in April, they contacted journalist E.E. E. Lewis, because this is the 1840s, and hearing knocks in your house is news. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> yeah. We have to tell the New York Times about the knock we heard in our house. <laughs> 
So, well, well, right. So Lewis was a small fry, but eventually this story goes up to the New York Tribunal or New York Tribune. Oh, like, so, but this is our first reporter, E.E. E. Lewis, on the scene. Man, uh, man likes to get the, you know, local news to you quickly. Um, so he came out to Hydesville and he published a 40 page pamphlet about uh, the <laughs> events that happened with a title that is equally as long. It was entitled, A Report of the Mysterious Noises Heard in the House of Mr. John D. Fox in Hydesville, Arcadia, Wayne County, authenticated by the certificates <laughs> and confirmed by the statements of citizens of the place and the vicinity. <laughs> oh, boy. The title could have just been Weird Noises. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, so is that, I like I like the certificates aspect. Yeah, like no, no, no. There are these pieces of paper that said this happened. Was he going for like a comedy bit? No, <laughs> no. This is some hard. This is some Vice journalism right now. So yes, comedy. Well, yeah, it is. I mean, half of Vice is very funny. Yeah, he won a Pulitzer for this, Tom. Yeah. Wow. Um. So it's thanks to E.E. E. Lewis that we know the proper accounts of what transpired. That first few, the first few nights of the knockings. <laughs> yes. So uh, the name E. E. Lewis is a hundred percent present in Jerry Lee Lewis. Uh, <laughs> I just tried googling him, and I just keep finding Jerry Lee Lewis things. <laughs> well, I think this was his fifteen minutes of fame, E. e. Lewis. <laughs> and how am I going to type in that title? <laughs> Dude, take you a week. <laughs> The, the stinky smell in the bathtubs of the fox's home, which is brought upon a hill that was purchased one time, two times too many from one renting facility in a peppermint field, uh, certified by uh, <laughs> Benjamin Moore Paints. I think Zillow needs to hire, like, an E.E. Lewis to go and write reports about wrappings at rentals. I mean, it would sell. Mm -hmm. There is a target demographic for it that. Would. <laughs> so Lewis's account in Lewis's account Mar the mother Margaret describes the uh, f uh, the first night the family uh, had heard these rappings and during that night their granddaughter Lizzie was there who was uh, Lee's daughter remember she, they have a, a daughter in Rochester named Lee so Lee Lizzie is sleeping over and uh when they heard all the noises, they all got together in one uh, bed, like a straight up like Scooby Doo. Everyone hiding under the sheets. It's awesome. They, it's a little uh, Willy Wonka. Yes. Yeah. Well, well, they yeah. they had their own. The girls had their own rooms. Come on. Thank God. Oh, they were right. perverts now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to sleep with hysterical thirteen year olds. <laughs> and also, it's four in the living room. Yeah, it's, it's four people living in a full house with an attic and a basement. So, you know, <laughs> um, they're roughing it. Remember, they're roughing it. Right, they're roughing it. Um, so uh, when they first started hearing the knocks, they all jumped into the same bed, and they could hear um, the knocks going off. Uh, and each night, it would get louder and louder, and it seemed to be centralized in the east bedroom. So the family searched by candlelight, candlelight to try to figure out the source of the knocking. Maybe it was an animal or a loose shutter, but they couldn't find what ma made the noise. 
and the knocking just continued night after night after night. They're not getting any sleep because the mm. knocking's happening. No good. That is a good title for a horror film, The Knocking. The Knockers. Yeah, The Knockers. Big That's old my... knocks. Yeah. So, it just so happens to be the day before April Fool's. So now we know where this is really true, this story. Right. Uh, Margaret put her foot down. She was like, I'm not allowing these rappers to terrorize my family. <laughs> There's so much rapping going on <laughs> in my family's house. <laughs> uh, We're not against rapping sounds. We're not against rapping. But we are against those rappers. Yeah. <laughs> so Margaret's like, girls, you're not sleeping in the bed with, you know, me and John. My husband, we need to make some more children, like good Methodists. Go to your rooms. And so they send the kids to their rooms. You know, so it's, it's Maggie, Kate, and Lizzie, because they're, you know, having a sleepover. Uh, and they're like, we're just going to go to bed at around, like, 7 o'clock. You know, because they basically go to bed when it gets dark out there. We're still using candlelight. It's, yeah, it's agrarian lifestyle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got, like, yeah, and in the middle of the winter, correct? Yeah, in the middle of the winter. Yeah, so you're in bed by 7 o'clock. It's awesome. Right. I wish. She's like, girls, go in bed. Everything's normal. Just ignore the raps. So they all settle in. John's probably just just kind of getting in the bed, getting a little frisky with his wife. Oh, it's so nice. To have, I don't know why he sounds like that. He's so like nice Italian to have now. you. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, We're going to have another anchor baby. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, they hear some finger snapping. Oh, so now it's a scat rapper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, now it's the jazz artists. <laughs> they hear some spooky jazz going on. Some finger snapping. It's coming from the girl's room. So uh, the wife gets up. With her candle, she makes her way into the room. As she's getting closer, she hears snaps. And then right after that, there'd be a thud. Right? So it was like responding. Like, snap, thud. And it would come from, like, the ceiling or the wall or all over the place. Oh, the ghosts have learned Morse code. Yeah. So as Margaret... I'm scared right now, for the record. What's that? This is chilling. This is haunting me to my boner. Uh, well, it's Halloween right now. You should be very scared. When it is, this is a good story for it. Yeah, I'm just throwing it out there. Thanks. Uh, so Margaret, as she keeps hearing these snapping and these thuds, she starts rushing to the girls' room, and she finds Maggie and Kate sitting in the bed with Lizzie watching, horrified. And so Maggie is snapping her fingers, and with every snap, there's a thud. And sometimes she would snap two times, and there'd be two thuds. Three times, three thuds, as if something was unseen was responding to the girl. Mm. Oh, my God. Yeah. And uh, when Kate or Maggie stopped snapping, so did the thuds. They were like, oh, this is all we need to do is just start snapping, and the thuds go away? Hmm. So, So then Maggie asked the seemingly unknown intelligent intelligence to count to ten, and there were ten thuds. Oh shit! Whew. And this good, and it's good at math. It's a ghoul or goblin, and they're good at math. <laughs> it's a yeah. It's it's ghost dad, but best, he's an accountant. Best of both <laughs> worlds, right? This is extra scary. Uh, so Maggie then recalls to E. E. Lewis, 
Um, I then asked, I guess she's, yeah, Maggie's asking the ghost here. I then asked if it was a human being uh, that it would make a noise, and if so, uh, by manifesting, wait. (laughs) I then asked if it was a human being that it was making, I then asked if it was a human (laughs) being that was making noise, and if it was to manifest by the same noise. And there was no noise. I, so I, what you just tried to say three times is that <laughs> there is a entity that isn't human. Yeah. So then she wow. said there was there was no noise, and then she said, "I asked if it was a spirit, and if it was to manifest by two sounds, and I heard two sounds." Whoa! Wow. <laughs> Got a goose. Was- was the first like her daughter sneezing and then her screaming? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or just a duck, you know, like a ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> what a thud! That's a quack, darling. <laughs> there are no. But thuds. it's a noise. Still. There's a duck in the laundry basket. Maybe that's what. Maybe it's just lost in translation. You know how like different countries have different sounds for animals. Yeah, maybe in, they were living in Canada, so maybe like can- Canadians say like geese make a thud sound. Yeah. Oh, you hear them flying overhead, thudding around. Ah, oh, so annoying sometimes, you know, especially if you're on a film set. You got to say, hold for geese, thuds. Maggie continues. She said, I then asked if it was an injured spirit to give me a sound, and I heard d- distinct rapping. I then asked if it was injured in this house, and it manifested it by a noise. And then I asked if the people... Uh, if the person was living that injured it, I got the same ans- answer. I then asserted by the same method that it remains that that if its remains were buried underneath the dwelling, and how old it was to respond in raps. <laughs> I like how she went from like, "Is anyone there?" to "Can you please give me detailed in the." <laughs> like all of the minutiae of your lifetime and story. Yeah, have you been buried <laughs> in the basement? But also, Does I your think dad beat of, you. I think it's more like an injured spirit. Injured <laughs> spirit's weird because you you don't think you could injure a spirit. Yeah, it's. I mean, you're already injured. Did you walk through a smoke machine and get a little mixed up? <laughs> yeah, I'm emotionally injured. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if you're dead, you're injured, right? That's like the ultimate injury. <laughs> kind of, but like then you're transcending that. And the only thing that you don't have the ailments of, like, the broken arm, the gout, the, you know, the uh, arthritis. You might have the other stuff. You might still be retarded or have autism <laughs> in the other realm. <laughs> but that's it. The, re- the rest of it is left to you, though. Yeah. yeah. You'd still be annoying. So the mom was like, oh, damn, my little girls is talking to ghosts. I got to go get the neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> they aren't gonna believe this shit it is very cold outside yeah yeah so margaret told ee e. lewis that uh she knew her girls weren't doing anything like playing an april fool's joke because they clung to each other terrified white as sheets and we all we all hated acting so <laughs> i knew they weren't acting well they, we already knew they were white as sheets <laughs> yeah, they're pasty little Christina Ricci talking to Caspers. Like they looked like little ghosts themselves. Like, you know, it must have been because the ghost was around them. 
influencing their little bodies to look more like a ghost. So I like this little tidbit. Margaret didn't go out and get the neighbors. She sent her husband, John, to go get the neighbors. because she's got I would have killed eye. her. Why didn't he just call her hysterical? Uh, so he could continue this a, sleeping. This is a man of faith. He has oh, faith. Awesome. <laughs> uh, so John goes out of the cold, probably in one of those like nighttime uh, pajamas with the drop flap. Right. <laughs> I can only assume. And he, mm-hmm. he goes to get uh, Mary Redfield, who was the neighbor. Now, Mary was very aware of the raps as the girls had told her a few days earlier, and she was like, oh, that's cute, girls. <laughs> Look at those ghosts in your house. Woo. <laughs> so she shows up, and she sees the girls snapping and hearing these thuds, and she's like, nope, and runs off for her husband. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So Mary returns with her husband and a bunch of other townsfolk. Even some dudes who were out night fishing at the local creek had heard the commotion and showed up. <laughs> Oh, God, this poor guy. He's just trying to go to bed. Yeah. So around 9 o'clock, an hour after Margaret had called for Mary, there were dozens of idiot townsfolk roaming around the house investigating the persistent rapping. (laughs) They'll find him. Yeah. Now, a man named William Dusler, who claimed to be a skeptic turned believer that night... uh, (laughs) Definitely can trust that guy. <clears throat> yeah, so he deduced that the spirit uh, had been murdered in a bedroom about five years ago by a man named John Bell. <laughs> yeah, and this was confirmed that he was renting the house a few years before the Foxes, because all the town folk were there. They're like, yeah, we know that guy. He's a real piece of shit. <laughs> mm. Odd. Meanwhile, John Dusler is like, I can finally get the suspicion off of me for murdering that guy that one time. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, well, he had all the details, so he's figured out he's a, he's a good ghost communicator because uh, the, the <laughs> victim had their their uh, throat slit by a butcher's knife uh, and had their five hundred dollars stolen from them. So somebody, he, the the victim had five hundred dollars, and the murderer slit his throat with a butcher's <laughs> knife. He had $501, and right before he got his throat sip, he said, John, don't do it. I mean, he said, uh, Stevie, don't do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, $500, you know, in the 1840s, that was a year's salary for the average worker. That's a chunk of money. Sick. Now, from there, the body was dragged down into the cellar and was buried about 10 feet below the surface of the ground. So this is an unfinished basement. It's just dirt down there. They didn't have cement then. No, they don't, don't got no cement. Maybe they did. But Speaking from experience of going to Binghamton for four years, most basements are probably just not finished in upstate New York. Yeah. They're just dirt. It's just dirt. Always dirt. <laughs> just go get some worms for dinner. It's in yeah. the basement. <laughs> that's, uh, that's that pioneer life or something. Yeah, so right in the basement are ghosty boys under there, 10 feet under, not 6 feet under. Um, Later, a servant of the Bell family would come forward uh, saying that she worked for the Bells while they were renting at the house and that a foot peddler had stayed with them. She was sent away unexpectedly for a few days, and when she got back, the foot peddler was gone. Woo! <laughs> oh, man, this is complicated. Yeah. 
All right. So we know that the ghost was buried in the cellar. So Mr. Redfield. <laughs> Sorry. Just, we know the ghost was buried yeah, in the cellar. Ghost, it's, a, ghost, it's a good way to come back from a break. Yeah. The just ghost, to recap, we, the ghost was buried in the cellar. This is hardcore history here. This is the ghost was buried in the cellar. Fact. Right. <laughs> Very Dan Carlin of you. Yeah. Uh, so Mr. Redfield decided to descend down into the basement by candlelight. And he was directed by the knocks where the spirit's remains were buried. At this point, he had also figured out the initials of the spirit, CB. I don't know how he did that with just raps. But, uh, cause boo, yeah, <laughs> cause boo, cerebral ballsy. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, it was too late to start digging. Because uh, I imagine this would be pretty terrifying. I wouldn't want to do that. Go into a like an unfinished basement with a candle in the middle of a snowstorm. I know. I wouldn't do creepy. that right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't do that right now if you gave me a gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you know you're up against a ghost, and historically, yeah. ghosts always win over gun. That's true. I'm more afraid of spiders. <laughs> what if there's a giant spot, like a Resident Evil sized spider down there? Then you're going to be that, a ghost. Then yeah. you should have the gun. <laughs> yeah. So, Mr. Redfield's like, all right, we're going to start digging tomorrow because I'm not doing this by candlelight in the basement right now. Uh, but the questions for the ghosts continued. Uh, until about midnight. Now, the townsfolk were the most surprised in the fact that the ghosts kind of knew very intimate details about their personal lives. Things like their passwords, their porn accounts, all these things that no one else would know. Yeah. How do you have my Netflix login? Yeah. Well, you um, give it out to everyone, Jim. That one's not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mary Redfield asked if her child, who had died young, um, was in heaven. And uh, the ghost responded with a few confirming raps. Yes. <laughs> I thought sure you said no. Yeah. Yeah. That kid's in hell. Uh, Should have had William, it circumcised earlier. Yeah. William Dusler asked the spirit if universalism was the true doctrine of Christianity. Nothing. Was Methodism? Lots of raps. Obviously, Methodism. That's the one that did it right. Man. Now, uh, was William Dusler a Methodist by any chance? <laughs> he was a Universalist, so he was like, oh, no. Oh, he, he got duped. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, the next day, so we're talking April 1st, April Fool's Day. Now, April Fool's Day was absolutely a thing. April Fool's Day goes back centuries. They actually don't know when it started, but... Probably in the Middle Ages. Well, you know, a good rousing has its histories. Yeah. So April Fool's Day, several hundred people showed up to the Fox's rented house looking for responses from beyond the grave. One day only. Yeah. I don't know how those people could actually hear the raps if there's a hundred people in an old wood house, like slack jaw walking around like, oh, I heard something in the wall. Well, they were probably all quiet. I mean, people back then were used to going to church and being quiet for like hours on end. Now you can't get people to shut up because yeah. they have too many feelings and you know, they must explain them. Oh my God. Did you see what they wear? They have Crocs here. <laughs> they are wearing Crocs. That's unbelievable. 
Uh, so David Fox, their son, had shown up with a small team of men, and they set about digging in the basement looking for the remains of their spirit, CB. And they dug down about three feet, and they hit a stream of underground water, icy cold water, forcing them to stop. Real ghosty shit. Yeah. Um, so over the next few weeks, the Fox residence became a place that everyone visited, reporters, believers, skeptics, they all came to hear the raps. And of course, obviously, previous, tenement, uh, previous tenants, uh, a family called the Weakmans, wanted to get in on the action, so they told uh, stories about when they lived there, and they heard all the rappings. And uh, there was a servant named John C. Lape, or Jane C. Lape, who went so far as to say she saw a shadowy figure in gray pants, a black frock coat, and a black cap, claiming she had seen a specter. So just wearing the shit that everyone wears at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, he was wearing a t-shirt from Target. <laughs> It looked he like was he was wearing chinos and kids. Like. It was a life-size homies doll. <laughs> uh, so visitors of the Fox House, now known as the Spook House, um, <laughs> continued coming Damn. for months to the Spook House. This is where they record the CIA podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so the eldest daughter, Lee was starting to get a little bit concerned for her family's welfare. And remember, her daughter Lizzie was there when the haunting had begun. So Lee and two of her friends from, uh, from Rochester traveled to Hydesville to check on Lee's nieces and her parents. When they got there, they found the house in Hydesville empty. No one was there. Like, where did everyone go? Was this over? Did everyone? Did a new tweet come out? Is this... <laughs> we figured it out. Yes. Yeah. It was just a. It was just the Puerto Rican neighbors. They were very loud. <laughs> there was a loose shingle blowing in the wind. <laughs> uh, then she traveled to her brother David's house to find uh, John, Margaret, Maggie, and Kate there, looking completely exhausted, and all of David's peppermint fields were trampled and destroyed, and there were like people walking around selling T-shirts. Uh, so it turns out that the wrappings had followed the family to David's house and the crowds came with it. Oh my, that sucks. Now the family had deduced a few things during this time period between Lee and that. First of all, the victim's name that rented the house was probably Charles B. Rosna. Um, and that the hauntings had followed the two little girls, specifically Kate. And moving the girls meant that they were introduced to a whole new set of spirits, complete with their own distinct rappings and thumpings. Oh, <laughs> I'm spooked still. By the way, I, 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 I've been scared the whole time, by the way. I know we've been joking, but it is very scary. I'm still scared. But now we have thumpings? Yeah. We're past just rappings? Thumpings, thuddings, rappings. Uh, so Lee decided to do a little experiment. She would take Kate with her back to Rochester and see if the rappings continued when the girls were separated. Um, and wouldn't you know it? Uh, they did. In fact, the hauntings <laughs> got even more insane in Rochester. 
Oh my. Um, you know, cities naturally have a lot more ghosts because like more people die in cities. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so with Kate now living with Lee on Mechanic Street in Rochester, uh Lee's family, so Lee, her daughter, and Kate could hear shuffling, giggling, whispering emanating from the walls. Creepy. Um, one night, Lizzie, uh, her daughter, uh, was asleep, and she felt a phantom, cold phantom hand brush across her face and travel down the covers of her bed. That's scary. Did it, did it then fix her hysteria? <laughs> she was yeah. working on did, that at the time. Did they find out if her dad's hands were cold? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, her dad wasn't around. Mr. Fish. We'll talk oh, about Mr. Mr. Fish. Fish later. <laughs> we Strong got foxes name. and fishes. Um, so the family also claimed to see a, the form of a large man laying across, and this is in quotes, laying across the foot of our bed, breathing irregularly, and apparently in great distress. Upset. Sad man at the bottom of your bed. I think most men at this time were very sad. <laughs> I don't think you could find a happy man. I don't think you could find a happy person. <laughs> and that's pretty hard because they're living around peppermint fields. Peppermint, it, it's nice, but it doesn't fix the problems. Yeah, but I'm just picturing upstate New York around Rochester being like Candyland. Yeah, but it's cold. And it's like, Candyland is actually a terrible place because the bees, okay? Just the bees alone. <laughs> Forget, there, there, are, there are fudge monsters out there trying to fuck you. Okay? Sounds great. Sounds great to me. There are bees. There is the onset threat of diabetes. Candyland is a nightmare. Why you gotta ruin everything, Tom? It's just how I see it. Uh, so along with this man that's weeping and crying at the bottom of their bed, uh, Kate also appeared to look, be dying. <laughs> She's just oh, very... Oh, God. She kind of was like uh, E.T. at the end of uh, E.T. <laughs> just, oh, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, Elliot looking all like these children. Yeah, just really unresponsive, ill, and like she was going to die within a few days. Um, nice. During this time... <laughs> going on in Rochester, David decided to return back to the rented house in Hydesville and go down in the basement and settle this once and for all. Keep digging. Even if he gets to that water, he's going to keep trying to dig. So they dug, they dug down the three feet until they hit the water, and they were like, we're going to keep going. So they started sloshing around in the mud and the cold water, and he reaches his hand deep into the mud, and David pulls out a few bits of smashed pottery Strains of hair and fragments of bone. Oh, the good stuff. Yeah. So now we know there's got to be a ghost down there. There's got to be a ghost in the water. (laughs) This is ghost water. (laughs) You can't can't have water without a ghost. Yeah, this tastes like jello. Yeah. Now, the correct opinion is that what I just said, there's definitely a ghost down there. We found bones. Correct opinion. Correct opinion. Uh, But. With, a, with the believers, there were a whole bunch of people now that thought the foxes were frauds, uh, and even worse, blasphemers. But they all heard the knocks. Yeah, but they're like, I don't know, that doesn't seem legit. 
I don't. <laughs> now they're doubting it. Now they're doubting. There's some people. Well, some of the people that were especially doubting it were people that knew the Bell family. The people that are like, oh yeah, that guy's a murderer. Like there was friends. The Bells lived a few towns over, and people were like, this guy's great. He's the best dude. He's a good guy. <laughs> he owns a candy mm. shop. <laughs> I don't candy know if land. he did. <laughs> he called it Candyland. Yeah, and he was a fudge monster. Now, the skeptics were not impressed by David pulling out some bones, hair, and pieces of pottery from the basement. They uh, called it an obvious plant, that the bones were yeah. just animal bones. Yeah, bring us an organ. Yeah. Bring us a liver, maybe, <laughs> and then we'll talk. Yeah. And about a week after the bones were discovered, an angry mob of skeptics carrying pitchforks and shotguns appeared on David's farm. <laughs> Now, David was able to defuse the mob without any violence. He was like, hey, guys. He yeah, is what he actually was like. Hey, come on in. and We'll talk about it. And they're like, we don't want to go in your stupid house. Just stop doing this shit. Like, you're going against God. Yeah. And they left. But now keep in mind, this was only a few years after con artist Joseph Smith was murdered by a mob. So there was a very real, legit fear that this family was going to get lynched. <laughs> um. And that is where we are going to end the story today because we have found the oh re- my God. we have found the remains. And I'm so spooked, Travis. Yeah, and the girls are talking to ghosts. They're seeing phantoms, uh, and they are quite the star in Wayne County area, New York. But next week we will talk about their meteoric rise to international celebrities and their fall from grace of the modern spiritualist movement. Um, I don't know, man. I'm too scared. It's pretty spooky. I don't know if I want to keep going. Yeah, only... maybe we just won't. We'll do <laughs> someone else. No, this... End the show. Just... Yeah. We're doing a new show now. We're doing a sports it, show. We're too scared. It's too scary. Uh, this is why we don't do paranormal, sh- you know, spooky shows. We don't do true crime. Yeah, we're all I love the suspense you're building in yeah. this one, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we don't we don't do true crime because the internet would be too afraid, and then the internet would stop. You <laughs> yeah. can't stop the internet. No, you gotta you gotta let it keep moving. Yeah, the internet is a finely oiled machine. Yeah, well, we could just blow a cog in that whole thing by like picking some chicken bones out of water in the basement. We should like start a new show where we do we do these ghost story things, but we are in drag the whole time. And the audience doesn't know, but we're basically doing one of those like, you know, how many how many podcasts are there? It was just like two girls drinking wine and talking about ghosts or and it's that. Yeah, let's do that. But it'll be three gals. We'll call three gals. (laughs) Sometimes Mike or Michaela. I think Uh, I think we would probably be on Ben Shapiro's radar if we did that. That'd be kind of (laughs) cool. That would be one and a half episodes in, he would be contacting us. I, I, if I was able to talk to Ben Shapiro on his show, I would dress like him. And I would just do an impression of him the whole time. It would be so much fun. He wouldn't notice. He wouldn't pick up on it. He doesn't have that like, yeah, ability no. to, like, he's just hilariously dumb. That's yep. why I like him. He'd probably get along with you really well if you just 
like impersonated him right back to his face. He'd probably be like, I really like this guy. Yeah. Yeah. I brought you in here because I thought you would be uh, some kind of degenerate or something, but you really, uh, you speak in my language. And I say, yeah, you know what? Uh, I thought, I thought that you and I would butt heads a little bit harder, but you know, and end of day, I think you and I could really team up and do something, really get down to the bottom of this, uh, the foundation of our country, yada, 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 <laughs> being Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> that's like that you should end every sentence with that being jewish <laughs> <laughs> all yeah, right that, that makes sense so people have a great halloween go out there be spooky grab candy from anyone's house that you see break their windows get into their house steal their keys to their car and yeah. then get trick-or-treated hit and on look, their if wife if it says please just take one take two they'll never know They'll never know. I don't know. That's I don't know if I'm going to support telling the public that. That's pretty dangerous. You did you were you there on January 6th, Connor? <laughs> was I at the Halloween store? Yes, oh, I was. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Waiting for it to open. I was shopping. The best discounts are actually January 6th for yeah. If you know, so, I, if I, I want to buy my Squid Games costume. That was last year's inventory. It's the last. Yeah, someone day. told me they were turning the capital into a Halloween, a spirit Halloween store. So I was there waiting for the deals to open. Dude, they were. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. All right, guys. Uh, Travs, thank you for doing this. Connor, great seeing you. And, uh, you know. Can't wait to be more spooking. Yeah, we're going to be spooked next time. So tune in. Go to our Roast Mortem. No, wait. Patreon.com slash Roast Mortem cast. There you can give us your money. Um, tell your friends about the show. Yeah, Rate us tell your on Spotify. Yeah, tell your coworkers. Tell your boss. Make sure you tell them that the one guy you don't like on the show is Tom, because yeah. he says things that rub you the wrong way. And then you'll get the pass. Yeah, and then say your favorite is Mike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who never shows. And yeah, and next week we'll be back on our usual day of Thursday. We just wanted to get this one out special for you. We just wanted to spook you. Yeah. yeah. All right, stay spooked. Dank. Thank you, Shanga. Bye. Bye.